Hey there, everyone. I'm Jason Notoris, and this is SPE Talks to Shauna Noonan. Welcome to the SPE Podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, we encourage you to do so. Great way to keep up with the latest oil and gas technical trends and valuable information. As it is our monthly tradition, 2020 SPE President Shauna Noonan joining us in studio to discuss her column. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So we're wrapping up 2019, heading into 2020. How have your travels been? Looking forward to the holidays? Well, I just finished a around-the-world jaunt where I was uh, Houston to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Aachen, Germany, Brisbane, Adelaide, Papua New Guinea, and then back home. And it was basically a different time zone almost every day, and my body hates me for it. <laughs> oh, I feel like I need a, a broom for all these name drops that just happened. <laughs> I have to emphasize, though, that every place that I go to, whether it's visiting a section or a conference, I have specific objectives that I'm trying to achieve. Once I hit the road, it is pretty busy right from morning to evening. Now, you mentioned, you know, coming into the holidays, I still have another big trip ahead of me in December where I'm heading down south, going to Quito, Ecuador, Rio, uh, de Janeiro, Brazil, and then I'm visiting all three sections in Argentina, and then being able to come home to finally be able to take some time, uh, see my daughter who will be home from college, and you know, have my, of course, my younger daughter that's still at home, and just you know, take some time out and enjoy the holidays, so... I'm looking forward to that. Well, one of the gifts I feel like I've received this holiday season, I feel honored because one of the projects that I work on, producing and hosting some episodes for the SB podcast, we made it into your December column for JPT. The main theme of that column being discussing how to strengthen the tools and methods we disseminate knowledge to members. Those words right there, they carry a lot of weight around SPE. Well, to collect, exchange, and disseminate technical knowledge... They're not only the first seven words of SPE's mission, it's what we've excelled at, and it serves as a key differentiator between our society and other industry groups. You know, our technical content, it's available in various forms, such as manuscripts, journal articles, newsletters, webinars, you know. In my October article, it is stressed the importance of ensuring that this content is high in technical quality, but unfortunately, even high-quality content will gather dust if not being used by our membership, which has gone through a huge demographic shift in just a decade. If we were to compare from 2008 to 2018, the peak percentage age range of our professional membership has gone from that range being uh, 50 to 54 years. So basically, a good chunk of our professional membership is over the age of 40. And in 2018, that peak age range was 30 to 34 years. So now a good portion of our professional membership, they're under the age of 40. And there's just more than age difference between these two groups. And you have a great graph to illustrate that point. You look down at this thing and it really is like your eyes are taking in a mountain range, the way that the numbers have sharply changed over the past decade. Are you noticing the differences in this when you're out in your travels? I definitely do. You know, as I've been visiting sections and student chapters, 
just not as president now, but over the past few years, I have consistently asked three questions and I asked for a show of hands and response. First question is one, how many of you read JPT? Mm-hmm. Two, how many read papers from one Petro and to the students? And then I also say, and when it wasn't an assignment. <laughs> and then three, how many people have watched an SPE webinar? And what are you seeing from that? Well, it's usually our more senior members that raise their hands to these questions. And depending where I am in the world, I may get half or much fewer hands being raised uh, in the room. And it's because there's a difference in the average age in our professional membership between regions. And regions with a higher average age obviously have a higher number of members that remember a world before home computers. I know I remember even when computers first showed up in the workplace and I have to, at the time it wasn't so funny, but I remember my employer at the time, once computers showed up in the workplace, they remained in the hallways. We all had to share because it was firmly believed by management that there will never be a day when engineers will have their own computers in their offices because there'll be no productivity whatsoever. (laughs) Regions with a lower average age now you know, obviously they have a higher number of members who now never even experienced a world without computers. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it's more than an age range. It's this huge generation gap. And the students that are entering university now, f- forget just them not being a world without computers. They've never known a world without smart handheld devices and Google. You know, they're the Google generation. And all three groups, they access information differently and they have different needs in terms of retaining that information. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're bringing this up because in this, in no way, in my mind is a bad thing because most generational groups really, they don't change. And it's not because they don't want to, it's if you grew up with something, I mean, I don't use a home computer because I didn't really grow up with a home computer for me, a laptop or a tablet or a cell phone's all I need in five to 10 years my daughter may look at me like, what's a laptop? Why are you using that? I mean, we don't know where the technology is going to end up taking us, but we do know that these generational groups, they do have a process. Sometimes it could just be we as an organization or as a society who, who need to change to better reach and connect with them. This is something that SPE started acknowledging pretty openly in the early 2000s. We did, and but still there was a huge faction or mindset that, oh, we'll still get them to change, right? They'll adapt to the way we train. But, you know, it it was uh, our 2005 president, Giovanni Paccoloni. You know, he was a champion for the new millennial generation that was coming in. And he led the creation of the Young Professionals Program as a way to attract and retain them into SBE and the industry, actually. And then, you know, 10 years later, you know, our 2015 president, Helge Halderson, he championed what he called SBE 2.0, which was to have all of our programs across their society to revise and modernize in order to keep pace with the relevancy of the industry. Webinars were being created and more of SBE's tools were made accessible via the SBE website. This generation are still changing, and now the digital revolution, it's, it's taken our industry by storm. You've heard the term industry 4.0, the internet mm-hmm. of things. 
And now the Generation Zs, oh, there he caught me, my Canadian, <laughs> Generation Zs, Generation Zs, they've entered our universities and they've joined our student chapters. And their needs are considerably different than the generations before them, even the millennials. And SPE must adapt the way we deliver and format our technical content for them. So there's a strong value for them to continue their SPE membership once they transition from being a student member to a professional post-graduation. Now, the Generation Z students, sorry, and there's, I, I'm Canadian, I'm going to keep calling them Generation Z. They will from now on fill the classrooms and they expect a teaching environment in which they can interact in a similar way that they do in their virtual world. You know, this implies a demand for instant information, visual forms of learning, and replacing communication with interaction. And what I've just mentioned, it's actually a quote from one of many studies about teaching environments needing to change. And as a mom, I've already seen this change occur with the education provided to my children. Now, I have one daughter in her second year at university and a second daughter who will be entering university next fall. Most of their textbooks are online, their teachers record short, short videos covering the lesson material for them to watch at home. So when they get to the classroom, the time is spent in discussion and reinforcing what was covered in the videos and the online textbooks. And then for my children, if they want to learn something on their own, they typically turn to YouTube to watch a video or they go and listen to podcasts for the audio. I can't remember a time when I didn't see them with an earpiece in their ear. You know, I'm typically listening to podcasts and they may be listening to music, but it, it's, it, it's something of norm to them now. Yeah, and of course we love all of you who are listening to our podcasts, whether or not you're driving, you're at home, What's really interesting when we talk about the differences of those who do listen to podcasts, I can look at our statistics and see that on average, um, people are listening to our podcast 22% on a desktop versus 20% on an Apple podcast. Apple podcast is one of the, the larger podcasting platforms that people listen to usually while driving or at home. Then you have the smart speakers as well. If you look at that though, versus global and even national averages, usually the podcasting platform has a larger audience. So what that's telling me is there's a generation listening to this podcast that prefers to listen on a desktop computer, which you would not normally associate with most podcast listeners. And I think that plays right into creating content for audiences and knowing who your audience is and how to reach them with that content, which is so important, I think. It's something we're still trying to understand. You know, podcasts, they've exploded in popularity over the past several years. And I'm thrilled, and I like to say myself, along with some of my fellow members, we kind of help nudge SPE in this direction of doing the podcast. They can be easily inserted into our daily lives, such as during one's commute to school or work, waiting at the doctor's office, or, well, even to board a plane. You know, I personally enjoy listening to a variety of industry podcasts when I'm walking my dogs to keep me up to date on current events or listening to interviews with experts and executives. And actually, most recently, yesterday, folding laundry is not a glamorous task to do. And instead of listening to music, I opted to listen to one of SBE's podcasts. So 
I don't know if it's a, a complimentary or not, but George King, you really helped make laundry folding so much better yesterday. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> there you go, George. Mission accomplished. <laughs> now, podcasts can be similar to storytelling. And there's been many scholarly articles published that if you incorporate statistics and information and storytelling elements, the retention rates of that information is considerably higher. SB recently launched its first podcast during ATCE several months ago in Calgary, and that was the infamous George King interview that I listened to yesterday while folding laundry. And I'm so happy that SB is going to be offering just a variety of podcast series, including my monthly SBE president series, where I discuss my current column topic and then provide a little bit more narrative than found in JPT. And SBE will continue to provide content in both print and video. However, different formats will be provided to meet the needs of the younger members and offer better accessibility through mobile devices, such as through the SBE app. Now, one of the findings from a large video engagement study, they recommended that online video training should be no longer than six minutes. And in my column, I actually have a link to that actual paper. And, you know, we're so proud of our webinar series that we have. There's a great source of uh, information in it. But when I go around and talk to the younger members, a lot of them don't watch them because they say they're too long. You know, they, they don't want to invest a considerable amount of time to actually get around to them extracting the value or getting the conclusion. Companies such as Shell and associations such as SAG, they started to create video training in forms of nuggets which are actually five to eight minutes long, and they're prepared in a way to be more engaging to the user, which are, it's also described in the paper that I referenced in my article. Now, SB is evaluating how we disseminate our content to make it not only visually engaging, but also more bite size, and of course, available through mobile devices. It's hard for us to uh, stream a very long webinar through the SPE app, but if we have something, again, that's in shorter time periods, then it's much, much easier to do. And, you know, many of our students and young professionals, they want to receive content at a high level first, such as just give it to me in a one-page summary with conclusions, and then they can decide if they want to invest the time to ex access the full paper if they want the details. And SBE can also do this with their training materials and the webinars. Now, one of my five focus areas during my time as your president is to strengthen the tools and methods we disseminate knowledge to members. And my objectives in this area are to create and elevate existing initiatives for SBE to provide quality content via print, video, and audio, and to provide that content in a variety of formats so that it's more engaging and consumable for all our members, both current and future. And I will also ensure that we will deliver on SBE strategic plan goals of having technical dissemination and exchange methods for easy access and delivery of content through mobile devices. Our society, it's membership driven. And our programs are geared to serve the needs of our wonderful and diverse membership. Through all these travels, I'm really seeing and appreciating how diverse our membership is. 
And to ensure that our society remains relevant for years to come, we need to be strategic and anticipate the needs of our future membership. So then, you know, they are prepared to drive the innovations and technological advances for our industry. Well, question of the month is next. But first, just wanted to thank you. I think this is a really interesting topic, and I'm really excited to see how this does play out, not just over the next few months, not just over the rest of the year, but throughout SPE's future. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Jason. In coordination with Shauna's column each month, we also want to ask you, the listener, a question. We'll even be reading some of the responses on future podcasts. So here we go. Question of the month. What industry podcasts are you listening to? Okay, so we want to hear from you. Just email your responses to president at spe.org. That is, what industry podcasts are you listening to? We're looking forward to reading those. Let's keep the conversation going. Use the hashtag SPE podcast to reach us on social media. Looking for the latest episodes? Search the SPE podcast on Apple or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Please leave reviews. We appreciate the five stars and hearing your feedback. You can find us online at spe.org slash podcasts. Special thanks to this episode's guest, 2020 SPE president, Shauna Noonan. I'm Jason Notoris, and thanks for listening. by the Society of Petroleum Engineers, whose vision is to advance the oil and gas community's ability to meet the world's energy demands in a safe, environmentally responsible, and sustainable manner. Learn more at spe.org.